Welcome to Belonging Before Believing, where my toes wiggle and my beer fizzes. I'm Patrick Mathers, the pastor of the Sovereign Joy Christian Fellowship. And I'm Brian Gumpy, the elder, the Sovereign Joy Christian Fellowship. <laughs> what are we on Monday Night Football yeah, yeah, right yeah. now? Yeah, I'm glad like, you got that. Like yeah. The Ohio State, State University. Yeah. And then there's always another one like the M. And you're supposed to know what it is. The U. The U. Is yeah. that that's one of them? Isn't I don't it? know. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, dude, I am barefoot and drinking beer. And if it were any earlier in the day, it would be a crime. It might be a sin even. <laughs> <laughs> Not all crimes are sin, I think. Do you think that? Well, no, because we're to obey the law of the land. But Nuh-uh, because free speech, dude, you can't do that in some places. Not all crimes are sin? And that's a crime in some places, and it's not a sin. Okay. Like that guy who got arrested in Scotland for preaching the gospel. Although I kind of thought we were talking about American laws here. He's a little saucy, I guess, and that's why. By saucy, I mean he was being jerk a little bit. That's what I heard. I I thought, yeah, I thought we were talking about American laws right now. Well, why, why are you so exclusive? Oh, you're a nationalist, aren't you? You're one oh, of those. Gosh, here we go. <laughs> I'm not ready to talk about that. America, God shed his grace on thee. If you want to evoke <laughs> nationalism in me, you will sing Lee Greenwood, God bless the USA. I don't know that. Like a proper American. What? Yeah. I don't and know I'm that. proud to be an American. Okay, I know that song. Yeah, I didn't that's know. Lee Greenwood's God Bless the, or the USA. Really? Yeah. I think that uh, the guy who wrote that would have a more American-sounding name. Like, Lee Greenwood doesn't sound American to you? What do you want him to be? Um, Jonathan Stars and Stripes? like <laughs> Bruce Roadblock or something. Bruce Roadblock? <laughs> There's know. nothing American about a roadblock, okay, all right, sir. You're right. It just sounded tough. <laughs> okay. Lee Greenwood? Steve sound, Austin. Lee Greenwood that sounds like a, a cowboy to me. No, okay. It does. It's, y- yeah, yeah, it does. Okay. <laughs> what else you got? <laughs> I don't want to say because then some people will accuse me of being anti-Semitic. Wow. So I'm just going to stop talking. Got it. Well, no, because it's a podcast. I'm not going to stop talking, <laughs> but I'm going to stop right there. It's very rare that I self-police. Yes. So it's kind of nice when I do it. Not for the people listening, but for you, yeah. And for you. You're, I see the gleam in your eye that you're kind of getting a little tickle out of me, struggling to... It's fun. Should I say this? Should it I? is fun to watch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, dude, it's noon. And on a Saturday, oh, it's noon 10. But I got this beer opened before noon, and I thought, <laughs> I can't remember it, I, I, the time I had a beer before noon. I can't remember. It's, I, I don't know. Oh, I can. Basically, every man camp. But yeah. See, it's not, that's not me. One so. of the inaugural, you can't have one of the inaugural. It was either the first or it wasn't. I think it was the first man camp. There's a picture of this one dude who went with us, and he's drinking orange juice out of a Corona bottle <laughs> because we forgot to bring cups. <laughs> so he just grabbed a, a discarded beer bottle and just filled it with orange juice. Yep, yep. I'm having, which will surprise nobody who actually knows me, uh, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Sierra and you're wearing Nevada. a Sierra Nevada sweatshirt. Oh, I am. And it's green. You like know the, what? 
like the pale ale can. Hey, dude, this sweatshirt is like all made out of like recycled material from Chile or something like that. It's like some weird like sustainability shirt or something. <laughs> <laughs> it says it somewhere on here. I don't know on the tag or something, or maybe it was on the little the little snicker, not snicker. What are those things called? That tag. Tag. <laughs> The little snicker said something. So about- <laughs> without your gesture, I would have no clue. So I can only imagine what it must have. You know, the little thing. What it must have been like to try to follow along with that. Oh, I got my Star listening. Wars shirt on, too. Yeah. I forgot I had that on, too. This is a great episode so far. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what are we talking about, S.A.? We're talking about leadership. What? Leadership. Dude. Leadership. We don't know anything about that. Leadership. Oh, made in Gua- Guatemala. Oh, got it. It's not Chile. It's Guatemalan recycled materials. Central American, not South American. Those are all the people that came on the caravan and tried to knock our tower down or something. Oh, my gosh. Right? Are they from Guatemala? I don't... I don't know. I don't watch the news. I don't... Well, I, uh, so I, almost I scroll gotten... through Facebook and I see, like, mobs getting closer. That's, like, all I know. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I almost got in trouble at Thanksgiving because I was talk or somebody pointed out that I talked trash about the mainstream media, and there were family members who took issue with that. Umbridge, nice. Did they take umbridge with it. When you say umbridge, all I think about is <laughs> Professor Umbridge. Yep, yep, I know. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I thought too. <laughs> nice. Who I think is the worst villain in the whole Harry Potter series, not Voldemort. Yeah, but she couldn't be who she was without him, though. Like, she would just be like a pissy, not good teacher. Yeah, she needed something to be... With him, it's like all of a sudden there's way more weight to her. Because she refuses to acknowledge him? No, because she was like his patsy. She was like working for him. Was she? Yeah, totally, I dude. Didn't read she's the there books. at the end. Not in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, she's... she's in the when they take over the Ministry of Magic, she's like top dog. Then, when, once the baddies do, the she baddies. was like, yeah, she was all Team Voldemort. Really? So she, yeah. So she so that's what makes her like so bad. But before that, yeah, she was just a, if she didn't in have a weird Voldemort, way that makes her less bad in my mind. Why? Be- what teacher gave you a hard time, Brian? Because that's what I'm getting out of this. What teacher gave me a hard time? Yeah, yeah. There was some teacher that gave you a hard time and that there, you, you've you um, projected that aggression and that No, I think Umbridge. what made her so frustrating was the fact that she wanted to pretend like nothing was happening. And if she actually believed that nothing is happening, that's a lot more frustrating than if she knew something was happening and was pretending that nothing was happening. That's true more, ignorance versus feigned ignorance. Okay, but why well, I, I think she knew what more of what was going on, but the person who was truly ignorant was the minister of magic right. in at, at least um what's the one oh, the, my favorite one or oh, uh, Azkaban. Yeah. Yeah. That one and then the next one when they're doing the competition Goblet of Fire. Goblet of Fire. That yeah. was the one where he was like most like, no, there's no bad people. No, there's no Voldemort. Yeah. And then at the end, he showed up. He's and back. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Killed Cedric. I was going to say, dude, this is, 
This is not where I predicted this episode would go. No. And we are, yeah, we're walking a fine line here. But that's like the whole like sixth sense thing where. Oh, it, don't spoil that. If you haven't seen it by now, yeah. I don't know how we could no. possibly spoil this for you. Don't spoil that. <laughs> that you're all like, no. <laughs> if you say, here's the thing with that movie. If you say the thing, you completely ruin the whole entire experience. I love how much you're trying to protect this right now. <laughs> if you, if I say Cedric Diggory died, it's like the okay, who cares? Twilight dude got killed. That's kind of a good thing. Six cents, you, you ruin the whole movie. If you yeah, Cedric Diggory doesn't ruin the whole anything. Got it. It's, in fact, you kind of root for that to happen, don't you? <laughs> I want Only because he was in Twilight. Who's that guy? Robert something? Pattinson. Okay. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> never mind. Gosh, I'm so... Does that mean you're Team Jacob? I, who's that? Taylor Lautner. Who's that? <laughs> okay, the only reason I had that name so readily available, I feel like I need to explain myself or I'm very embarrassed. Oh, no, no. Hey, leadership. I was listening well, we're to... We're going to go to the question now. I was listening to a podcast <laughs> where the person... On, that they had on. Is it Hot Wings? No, Is no, it no. That one? It was actually the Dutch Bros podcast. Oh, okay. Um, where the person they were talking to was like super into Twilight and they were talking about it. That's the only reason. Oh my gosh. When she I was, almost spit my beer out when, when she you was said young. super into Twilight. Well, she's 23 now. When she, when she was in high school, it was a thing. 23 year olds are basically in high school still. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> I wonder how many people I said. That and got a little mad. I don't think there's very many 23-year-olds who listen to this podcast, Pat. Hey, you know who listens is leaders. We're a leadership podcast here, Belonging Before Believing. (laughs) 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 Talking before enunciating. (laughs) Drinking before nooning. Not me. I got Uh, six shots in my coffee drink that I just finished up. Shots of coffee. Yes, that's a good point. (laughs) Not whiskey. And I'm about to get started on this LeCrunk. Uh, Lime LeCrunk. Okay. Hey, here's our question. What is slash defines leadership for you? What, Brian, makes a leader? So I have been in a room with a whiteboard at the front about (laughs) 12 times when somebody said, let's all throw out what qualities make a leader and then at the end of it all they're just like so yep so it's very innovative when so people do that. yep go do that <laughs> that's it huh? and there's that's like and you're like thank you for being a leader there's like work ethic selflessness okay. integrity sacrificing innovative vision vegetivity like making the money making making the money ambition <laughs> ambition <laughs> Seriously, and, we just, and there's like 75 words on this Being whiteboard. Being a sociopath. Being, yes, sure, it helps. <laughs> it does. If you don't care about other people, it helps. Actually, it really doesn't. But no, So I know. what is defines leadership for you? I don't know, Jeff Bezos might disagree. What's interesting to me about this topic, Patrick, yeah. is that you're totally ready to punt this episode to me. That's why I asked the question. A hundred percent. But... When it comes to... um, Wait, why? Why am I ready to punt to you, though? Because I... It's what you do. It's what I do, but I would argue that it's what you do as well. Differently. Sure. And maybe not as effectively. I would disagree with that. Why? 
Okay, well, let's go. First of all, let, wh- why are we, what are we leading? What, what leadership? Uh, well, you and I together, we you and I together in church leadership. Yep. We are husbands. Yeah. We yes. are fathers. I had to think about that for a second. <laughs> I don't know why. You are. You are. because I'm old. Yeah. I um, just figure Andy's like just such a part of me. Fathers. You are grandpappy. I am a grandpappy. Um, and yes, I am a regional manager of like 175 employees. You run your own branch until very recently. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've been like, what was your official title? Were you manager? Just funeral arranger. Even though you were like top yeah, yeah. dog at that location? It, it was, it was two of us in the building Hey, and I was the funeral arranger. That's all. It, you outranked. <laughs> don't tell her that. The other person. Okay. So yes. yeah. But yes, that's true. No, you were going to rotary and doing all this. Other I love stuff. rotary. Yeah. I yeah, really yeah. do. Yeah. yeah. And, and because you're trying to drum up connections and business and everything else up there. Yeah. like And I like people. Yeah. And rotary people typically are likable people. So... But yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm tracking with you. Yeah. And, and like I said, like I think most people overlook that whole aspect, like why I started with we're both husbands, we're both fathers. Uh, if you can't lead in your own home, then you don't have a prayer anywhere else. Which is, is odd. So And we, that goes for church leadership, like do, probably just as much or more. Do we want to systematically like break this down or do we just want to riff? I think we just want to riff. Okay. Cause there's so, so many different definitions that like, <sighs> you just did it. You did the whiteboard. Here's the things yeah. everybody writes. Yeah. Everybody knows that to me, that's not nearly as helpful. Like trying okay. to come up with your own definition. So you said being a leader in your own home. Um, I think there's different ways people look at that because when I w- used to go to this one particular pastor's conference, at a big, huge church, there was always this, um, it wasn't even underlying. It was kind of just below the surface. So it was pretty overt. You didn't mm-hmm. have to look far to see it. Um, assumption that your kids had to be perfect. Perfect Christians, perfect people, in order for you to be considered for leadership. And in fact, that if your kids weren't or didn't profess Christ or something like that, then you either should step down or you should be removed from ministry. And for years, I pushed back against that. And like, I would go up and I'd, you know, when, if I was in a seminar and somebody bring that up, I'd go up and I'd be like, how can you say that? You know, for several reasons. And we'd go back and forth. And of course they would never agree with me because they're on staff at this big, huge church and you got to basically toe the line. But, um, um, the, the older I get, the more I realize that, that I think the raising of kids and being a leader in your home means that what I, I strive to do is that my home would be a place where the Bible is known, it's believed, it's understood, and that grace is something that is also known and believed and understood. And it should be a happy place. Those places where it's like, your home's like a military right camp, like a boarding you know? school yeah and and every kid is in lockstep and they're all wearing the same outfits and you know name tags yeah and and <laughs> they've never seen in any episode of any tv show and 
you know, don't even know that the Disney exists and, you know, those kind of things. That's an extreme example. How far the opposite of my childhood you just described yeah. is difficult to overstate. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to say that, that leadership, and, and to, to my point here, is I am not necessarily poo-pooing their idea of leadership at that big, huge church and big, huge pastor's conference. I think that leadership is going to come out in lots of different ways. I'm certainly never going to be a leader at, at a place like that. I know it, and that's fine, and I'm okay with that. I know that I'm going to be a leader in a place of where people are kind of messy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, they need a person who can be charitable. And maybe if I don't understand what it is they're going through, at least I can sympathize and say, well, let me go through it with you. And I certainly don't have all the answers, you know, and and move on that way. Um, th- there's a list in the New Testament and it's going to sound daunting when I read it here. So it's in 1 Timothy chapter 3, and it says an overseer or a leader in the church. Specifically here, it's a pastor and elder. So this would be for me and Brian and anybody who is interested in that kind of church leadership. It says should be above reproach. And what that means is that nobody can point their finger at me and go, that is rank sin. I'm, I'm living in some kind of observable rank sin. I'm above reproach. Doesn't mean perfect. Um, the husband of one wife, so I'm not polyamorous or uh, something like that. I'm sober-minded. I'm clear-thinking. I'm self-controlled, so I've policed myself a couple times. Uh, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. That's the one thing that is the distinction over and above any other leadership within the church, mm-hmm. specifically, is being able to teach not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome. It's crazy they have to even include that. But, you know, there's that passage in James that they used to get in fights in church and stuff like that. Why are you fighting amongst yourselves and warring? Um, Not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with dignity, keeping all dignity, pardon me, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert or he may be puffed up with conceit and fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Now, all of those things we could find some other place in the New Testament that apply to any believer, except for the ability to teach. Sure. So really what this is saying here is this person should be pretty good guy. He should be somebody who, who loves Jesus, follows his word, tries to do the best he can, tries to keep, you know, when it says with all submissive, it doesn't mean I'm beating my kids into submission or something like that. Mm -hmm. It just means that I am able to, in my household, run it in a way where, you know, it's, it's orderly. And that if I tell Hope to do the dishes, she might grumble a little bit, which she does, <laughs> but she still goes and does them. Right. And you might have to wash one or two over, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, but, but still, it, it isn't like, you know, there, there's this rebellious spirit that runs throughout the house. Um, so what does this mean? I'm leading my own house, so how does that translate into leading the church? I think it translates to there that it, the church is God's household, 
And the way we want to lead the church is we want to point people to the leader, to Christ. And that we as leaders supposedly should be people who, you know, know Christ pretty good and know him well enough that we can point others to him. What do you think? Yeah. I think another thing that's interesting, and this is me speculating a little bit here, but you are your most just genuine, transparent self when you're at home. And so I feel like you can fake some of these things when you are at a weekly Bible study or at church on Sunday or at some kind of fellowship group or even just going to the movies with some friends from church. Mm-hmm. Like you can fake these things, but you're not going to be able to fake it for any length of time at home. And so to me, I, I stress the importance of that. One, because I, I think that that's what we've been entrusted our families for is to be able to lead them. But also like that's where we see it most genuinely working itself out. I I think you could fake it somewhere else. You're not going to be able to fake it at home. So if it's genuine at home, then you're going to be able to do it genuinely outside of the home. Mm -hmm. Well, I've, you've been around me a lot. I've been around you a lot and so much that there's very little room for hiding anything. Yeah. I'll say (laughs) So you you know how I am at home. Mm-hmm. You have for a decade now, <laughs> you know, been in our home a lot, and I've been in your home a lot. And so there's very little room for us two to hide. Now, mm-hmm. somebody else in the church, you know, I mean, Joel, we're around a lot, but we're not in his home near as much as we are in each other's homes. Mm-hmm. But I, I totally get that. And I, I, I think that we should be able to say beyond a doubt that, you're the same person there, basically, as you are uh, when you're in the church, for sure. Because we will inevitably reproduce who we are. Yeah. You know, and it's not even something that we need to necessarily actively verbally teach. I'm going, you know, just people being around me, they're going to be like I am. And so, for better or for worse, I'm not that. Um, you know, let's get out there and do this and drum up support and make big programs happen. I'm not that. Mm-hmm. And so our church, some people have said, you know, well, we don't have programs for this and this. And I'm like, you know, if you want to do that, maybe let's pray about it. But uh, the church is going to reflect who I am. So one of the ways that I am a leader is that if I'm close to Christ, my personality is still going to be my personality, but hopefully it'll be one that points people to Jesus. Yeah. Well, and to take it back outside of the church, something that we found, I have four shops that I oversee, and each of those shops has a manager. And <clears throat> we found over time that you can see the character of the manager work its way into the way that the crew runs the shop. And not even you know character like, oh, this person has integrity and this other person doesn't. Like, there is the shop that has tons of get-togethers and they're always hanging out and they're just, like, really, really tight outside of work. And then there are other shops that um, do a good job of keeping things organized and everybody knows their role and they're super, super, like, well-communicating and things like that. And then there's another one where they like to goof off and have a good time on their shifts. And I can point to you why the 
that stems from their manager behaving in a certain way. The shop takes on the characteristics of their manager. And it's like you said, uh, you end up kind of reproducing your own characteristics. And of course, that's what you would do. It, I would hope that we behave the way that we behave because we think it's the um, most appropriate way to behave, the most advantageous, the most uh, productive, effective, enjoyable, whatever. I do things because I think it's the best thing to do at that time. So it would only follow suit that I would want other people to do what I think is best for them, most advantageous to them, most fun, most enjoyable, most whatever. So yes, it would make sense that if I'm trying to do what's best for others, it would look a lot like what I think is what's best for me. It means that we need to be mindful of who we are aware it it you have to have some kind of self-awareness as a leader here's who i am i know it here's who i'm always going to be you know a way that this comes out in in our church is i tell people who come up to me and want accountability i am not your holy spirit you know i i am I am. I understand that about me that I am never going to be this guy who meets with you, you know, every week for the next eight years to, you know, to make sure that all your problems are good and to hear about it. And I want to hear about it from time to time and ask you. But I, I myself have never benefited from an accountability kind of relationship. Um, and it's it's one of the things that I tell people, look, I, I want to hear about your life, but you need to be you need to be tight with the Lord and the Holy Spirit. You need to be a person of prayer. And so I try to communicate, you know, tr- again, trying to point people back to Christ, trying to see, have people know Jesus better and love him more than they did after the conversation than they did when it started. So if I can point people back to prayer, back to reading their Bible, I feel like they're much better off than they are sitting around and talking with me about their problems. Mm-hmm. That's frustrating for some people, but it's the way I lead. And I'm aware of that. So a good leader needs to be self-aware. And a good leader is also if somebody has a, a different need, you know, somebody needs to meet all the time, then hopefully I'd be able to plug that person in with somebody who, who certainly can do that. Um, but but I'm I'm not me now. An, a positive thing that I'm very aware of is that I'm always gonna you know what does the Bible say? What that's where my authority is. It's always gonna be word of God, word of God, word of God. So when somebody asks me what do you think, I'm gonna say well, First Timothy chapter three says, you know, and and by doing that, I'm not I'm reinforcing in myself the word of God is the authority here, not me, which I think is a great leader does that is going to point to the greatest leader and point, you know, just keep pointing back to him. And hopefully the more I know him, the more I become like him, which is what I want for everybody. So I'm always going to be going back to the word, back to the Bible, back to prayer, back to those things that are actually going to be effectual for you, not sitting around and telling me your woes and us, you know, having a pity party together. Yeah. And it's, it's a little bit 
of a jump from what we're talking about right now. But the only thing that I would want to add as we kind of close this up here is a lot of people I find are caught up in the question of whether or not they are a leader. And I don't think that that is a helpful question. I think a much more helpful question is who are you able to lead? Because everybody has a sphere of influence. Everybody has their tribe or multiple tribes, um, different circles that they're in where somebody, um, you have their ear. And so are you being faithful to lead in a way that is honoring to the Lord or not? Are you able to bring people along in your experience and um, the knowledge that you've grown in? Or are you not? Because everybody has the ability to lead somebody in some way or another. Um, Potentially there's one person at the bottom rung of the planet who just looks up to everybody else. But I kind of doubt that's you. So don't ask whether or not you're a leader. Ask who you have the ability to lead. Do you think that... that, um, What's the best way to say this? Leadership structures are better and then this is a loaded question. I get it. Then a holistic kind of leadership, you know, there's leadership books. You can, we can go over to staples right now and there's yeah. going to be an entire section just on leadership. books. Yeah. How to be successful, how to lead, how to have the, the seven effective habits of your highly effective self and whatever. Um, those things are good and have their place, but I think some people rely too much on them. Or I, I guess what I'm asking is, do you think that, no, those actually are highly beneficial, and if you're a leader in any way, you should be looking to those and looking at those? I think that, especially in today's world where information is easily accessible, I think that you could bury yourself underneath a pile of books and podcasts and never do anything. Mm-hmm. So they have their place, but you can't just sit on your couch and read about leadership for three hours every day and not do anything, which is what I think a lot of people do. So I've, I've read maybe two of those books ever in my life, but I do a lot of leading Mm -hmm. for me. It's definitely more holistic. And I learn as I go. I mean, I make mistakes and I don't know if the way I do things is transferable. I don't know if I could ever write a book on leadership, but you know, I mean, I'm, I certainly do some. <laughs> I I heard somebody recently say something about when the best time to read a book is. <laughs> and they're basically talking about the difference between, you know, re- me reading a book about, you know, how to get a business off the ground when, you know, I'm a high school gym teacher. Like, is that an important book for me to read then? Like, probably, probably not. Now, if I'm going to read that book a month before I move to a different town to open up a business, then that's a very important book for me to read. And it could be the same person in two different phases of life. But even if I read it in my high school gym teacher phase, it's not going to be as impactful. It's not going to be as important for me to read then as it is for me to read You know, when it's imminent. And they were talking about how that's the time when you want to read something is when it feels last minute, but that's when you're going to get the most out of it. And so I think a lot of people are reading on leadership in preparation for the day when it comes that they'll get to go out there and just take the reins and lead when eh, just, 
go out and do stuff. That's well, you know what you should be reading? Your the, Bible. The Bible. <laughs> you can read that all the time, and it's always going to be helpful. So when you're sitting around at night, in the morning, whatever it is, pick up your Bible and read it. Just, just pick it up. If, you don't, if you're not a regular reader of the Bible, uh, don't do one of those just flop it open and read it. You know, Just start with one of the Gospels because you know something about Jesus, so read about him. Start with numbers. No, dude. <laughs> it's not even a joke. <laughs> All right, it kind of is. Uh, <laughs> hey, you want a question of the day? I really do. Have you ever saved an animal's life? How about a person's? <laughs> hey, Brian. Have I ever saved Have you ever life? saved a life? So, okay. Well, I don't you, think I have. No? I don't think so. I tried that one time when I was running at a burning vehicle, but then oh, some dude right. stuck his hand yeah. in my head. You don't know how much fuel is in there. You just wanted to do that voice again. You don't know how many people <laughs> are in there. Uh, so, so I I, did, I didn't I save an animal's so. life, but I mercy killed an animal's life. Did you wait? Is I, this the marmot? Yeah. Did I tell this story before? <laughs> Not on the podcast. <laughs> oh, I've been waiting to ask you about this on the podcast. So. So we were... <laughs> I did I not save working. one. I mercy killed one. This is the opposite. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it needed to die. But you'll get this. Why? Okay, so we were moving... <laughs> we, I was working at this camp, and there was these big, huge logs that made planters all around the place. And so we were moving these logs because some of them were rotted out and putting new ones in place. And so there was this one that was just massive. And so the way we would do it is we would we would roll the log back and forth until it got some momentum and got going. And then we'd roll it over a chain that was connected to this big six by six and had a big, huge winch. And we'd lift the log up in the air and move it out of the way. So you had to roll it over the chain in order to clasp it so that the log, you know, could be attached. So we were rolling this log back and forth and back and forth and we rolled it, and then it didn't, qu- it didn't quite go all the way, and it rolled back. And then out from underneath this log came this marmot. And we had crushed the bottom portion of this marmot in his back, and so he was flailing all over the ground, spazzing and shrieking like a marmot shriek, which I, I don't know if you could Google that, but, dude, this is horrible. <laughs> marmot so, shriek. So what I did is I... and and. We're, okay, we're at a camp. There's full of high schoolers. And there was a whole bunch of people standing around watching us do our work and a whole bunch of high school girls because we were cute guys who were rolling these logs and big, strong dudes. And so this marmot starts wailing and they start shrieking. So the first thing I can think to do is I got to get that thing to stop shrieking. No, I just need to put it out of its misery because there's no saving it. So I grabbed a shovel and I just... <laughs> I, I I helped out. <laughs> oh gosh. I terminated the marmot's life. And then more shrieking out. <laughs> All of these high schoolers who were standing around watching us shrieked in horror and started wailing and crying. And I was trying to justify what I did, and the guy who I was working with was just laughing at me. <laughs> and so we scooped the marmot up and we put him in a we, we we didn't bury him or anything like that. We we did we took care of him though, and then I got in trouble and I got a talking to. But it was like, what are you gonna do anyway? So, yeah, I never saved a life, but 
So boys and girls, <laughs> have you ever saved a life? <laughs> yeah. Or have you ever participated in uh, a mercy killing? Oh, how did that Whether that or not direction? you're a giver of life or a taker of life. What kind of leader are you? <laughs> we believe that you belong. Uh.